welcome to Anshism. Today on the podcast, I have a very special friend of mine who was the first international student to be the general secretary, that's president of the Students' Union at the Manchester University of Manchester. So that's quite a big achievement in a big university, a well-reputated university. And I find him to be a very interesting character. Always greets everyone with a smile. Is very passionate about his country. Is very passionate about the things he stands for. And today we are going to talk about cocoa trade and how it affects the farmers and how they're exploited on a daily basis by these big companies and stuff. I, I don't have much knowledge about it, but through his articles that he writes, yes, he writes articles. So yeah, he's a talented man. So so yeah. he he talks about him and interestingly he's a farmer's son so i think i guess that's a good introduction kawame what do you think <laughs> yeah he's an <laughs> i'm sure i wouldn't be able to introduce myself that's me yeah, i mean i'm i'm very pleased to be on your show <laughs> no worries no worries uh thank you for you know taking out the time but Kawame tell us a bit about yourself you know how was it growing up in Ghana and what's it like growing up in a farming family Ah uh, that that's a good question uh, Ghana is a wonderful country I'm sure um a lot of people that have had a chance of passing by uh in Ghana would acknowledge this is a wonderful country to be in it's a country I I, I love to bits so yeah it's, it's it's a very wonderful peaceful vibrant um country yeah we have a population of you know around 30 million which i'm sure is less than the population of one state in india <laughs> like a minute tiny yeah so it's a wonderful country and growing growing up with um you know parents that were into farming it's also a nice experience because you know i think the um the socialization in ghana may not be too different in 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 india because we are we are all very conservative we 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 are we, we live we, we live in a community we have that communal living where yeah. you know it is the society that holds you responsible for what you do so anything that you are trying to do you make sure you're looking at okay how does it fit into society how does it impact society in a positive way so there isn't that individualistic way of living there and um, again like like I was saying living with parents that way into feminists also a very brilliant experience you tend to really understand how life really is and it's not always about or always positing them as you know people that need help in its sense but then what i usually try to highlight is the inequalities that really exist within the specific supply chains or value chains that these farmers are a part of but in most times they posit the farmers as oh poor people that require help no the farmer wants to be an independent businessman that wants to get value for you know whatever that they are producing and, and and they don't get the value for what they're producing even in india i i know farmers don't get that even exactly. I, i know that so so 
exactly yeah. and, and, that, yeah. that, and that is a problem so for me i always want to draw the distinction between a beggar and then somebody who actually is being cheated you, 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 get, yeah. you know what i mean they, they usually want to um sort of position the farmer in the uh in the light as a beggar whom we need to help in quotes but then i'm like no the farmer is not a beggar he doesn't need your the farmer doesn't need you to be um uh, how, how should I, the, the farmer doesn't require your pettiness in terms of trying to make the farmer feel like oh i care about you oh no 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 that isn't what I, oh, the farmer's looking out for give me the kind of value that i want fair so, ex- yeah a very fair trade so i think yeah so growing up i think back to your question growing up in a, a farming family is it's a very nice experience you 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 can you tend to understand that your role is as a child it's not just being a child your role as a child study your parents and what they do join in whatever trade that they also do so that you're able to inherit all so even when you go to school you go to school your free time you also try to learn part of your parents trade and so that is why you have some of the children parents in the farm which unfortunately again it is being lumped together with other children that unfortunately at uh, um, uh how do i how do i collect uh are sort of traded illegally as goods to come and work in certain people's farm. They mix the two together. We have children like us that support our parents and learn what they do in the farm. But then they'll treat that one as child labor the same way it is with those who actually have been transporting, as in they literally buy children from elsewhere, which is a bad thing for them to do. So yeah, I think in a nutshell, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can understand how passionate you get about it and and i think we should straight jump into it you know tell us about the cocoa industry tell us about how big it is economically because you know i have i have of course seen your articles and of course you are a good writer and you are a good i can call you a journalist how <laughs> and what's it in, yeah you were talking about the impact so just tell me about the impact and how big is the industry like what what is it like 2 billion 3 billion 5 billion how big is it economically and its impact on the cocoa farmers oh yeah absolutely so um the cocoa chocolate industry is worth between 100 and 150 billion dollars when you were talking about it in single billion values it is actually in the triple billion value so between 100 Uh, and 150 billion um um dollar um industry globally and then it would interest you that the farming side the farming side is just worth a little less than 6 billion oh my like it's 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 like a lot of difference yeah it's not even up to I like just if you are calculating it in percentage terms like can you even just think about it you know it's not even up to 5% but yeah that is what um, farmers across the world that farm cocoa what they get from the industry yeah that's bullshit man i'm sorry to this <laughs> it's all right but yeah. you know you talked about it being such a big industry and clearly 
we can see that cocoa farmers are not given a fair share of the hard work how much does an average farmer a cocoa farmer in ghana or ivory coast or say west africa earn so um yeah so when it comes to that there there have been a lot of calculations that has been done because i think practically most people in the farming area would you know depend on their farm for feeding and things like that and the way most time they go about their farming you know they don't go about it like how a commercial literate person would go about in terms of their farming so there are a lot of things they do that they don't actually even ascribe um economic value to you know so the some statistics that came out was that when they are to give a, a dollar value to what cocoa farmers earn then it means they earn like 2.69 dollar a day okay what yeah 2.69 dollar a day and this is what so we are talking about not just a farmer so we are talking about the cocoa farming that, that that's what a person gets and you now ask yourself okay so if the person gets that amount of money then the person needs to pay labor right because they they, they need labor to work in the farm so he's paying labor out of that money out of that money he's paying labor out of it no yeah so this was really? like per day so if you multiply it by the year you tend to also know the annual let's say um sort of income that cocoa farmers earn so they pay labor out of that so that is one and then most times they live at their family live at their family so and then the average cocoa farmer have like um let's say eight they had their household is like eight 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 member household and so imagine dividing the 2.69 by the um, the member of the household you realize that the you know they are earning some 0.0 something uh you know dollar per member and then when they do that calculation what they usually forget is that okay how about the land because we have that land system where the cocoa farmer may not necessarily be the owner of the land you get it and so if they are not the owner of the land then there is also an arrangement that actually um, let's say the owners of the land would say well if you farm on my land one third of the produce of your cocoa comes to me yeah good so then it means that the 2.69 the 2 position was calculated with an like the cocoa farmer owns the land so now that we know the cocoa farmer may not necessarily own the land then, then he may... would not even earn less exactly so that's one third of that's... it is yeah you know yeah. you this it's like you know you know you might know you might not know it's like those contracts in which you are in constant loop of paying what you earn it's like mm-hmm. you don't get anything out of it and it's Absolutely. exploitation you don't even get enough to survive and get by yeah and you know like you wouldn't blame the the land owner because the land owner is in the same um situation okay so yeah so you'd be like yeah I have the land you want to farm on it so of course you have to you have to pay for farming on the land and we'll be like okay we can do an arrangement where i get one third of the value of what you produce so you realize that when you take that one also out and then most time the arrangement is different so some will take one third some will take actually half okay so <laughs> so you, i'm talking about half of that money going 
and then the rest is being shared and yeah so so that that is that is the extent which i can actually just let you know the precarious yeah. situation that the farmers are, are in uh, yeah in terms of you know how much uh, they, they they earn and so how would you expect such a cocoa farmer to be able to send your kids to a good school you know to be able to come out and gain a job that will bring in a second income into the family you know how would you expect the cocoa farmer to provide um, a good lifestyle for the, the, the children, how can the farmer's child leave the farm, come to maybe the city to actually see that, oh, I can also I can also aspire to become a banker. I can aspire to become this particular profession because if you are locked up in, in, in the village, the person, the only thing the person see is farming. The person is not seeing, let's say, a doctor. The person is, the person is not seeing uh, who a pilot is, who, uh, um, a, a, a pediatrician you know like all those kind of professions that you see in the city the person is not exposed exposed to it how can a person aspire to be part to be to be one of them you you, you, get, you get what i mean so True. so that that is the for me that is the situation and that is how the industry has lowered the standards for cocoa farmers yet everybody pretend they are sort of helping farmers but they're not doing anything True, 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 true. And, you know, we have, it's, it is proper exploitation and the system's in place for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Is there child labor and exploitation as well? Yeah, so um, I think first, the, the child labor situation is a complex one. I agree that there is child labor uh, in cocoa farm so that's what i was trying to clarify at the beginning that we have two situations we have children that support their parents in cocoa farming and then the reason why they do that is because cocoa farming now isn't an attractive business anybody can go into and so the, if i am to the cocoa farmer is supposed to employ labor that they need to pay knowing that the money that they are going to get something little that they can't even use to pay back the labor then the family supports it and i'm sure maybe in india is there where if your parents are starting something and they know they don't have money they'll be like oh yeah they'll get the family members to support yeah to to, to support the business to go on so we have children playing that role there which is a good thing because every member of the family has a role to play so it is not that the child is being forced the child helps the family like any other person too so we have that so in many cases it's just helping them out yeah so you are part of the family you are participating and then we have the second one where um the, you are also getting your your, fam- your father is teaching you the trade okay so that when he's not there or when when your mother is not there or your father is not there you can continue on the trade so it's the same with i'm sure in india everywhere in the world where even if your father owns a particular business you know he will try and get you to understudy what he or she does so that when he or she is not there, you can take over and manage the business. So it's not different. Yes, one is one is a farm, and this one is like maybe a business organization. So that that is why one thing. The third one is because of how terrible the income situation really is. Then we now have people who are exploiting it by, you know, going to vulnerable countries to to sort of you know in quote 
buy children from their parents and come in and you know bring them as laborers into cocoa farms in different countries i mean that is a bad thing to do but my point is what actually facilitates somebody to even think of doing that if the industry was doing well then nobody would even would even think I of understand. doing that i understand because of already not having that wage they have to kind of get help from their own family because yeah. the condition is so bad yeah and yes they might be exploitation and child labor but yeah i understand the point but so, like try to lump it together which is what frustrates me a lot you try to lump everything together oh they saw children is child labor oh no like why why do you do that and that's the in, uh, intellectual dishonesty even with researchers in uk for example where they just go and they use the the standard they have in their country to be the one that needs to measure in other country meanwhile they are the one that have created that situation where people are forced to now seek children as labor in their farm but they pretend not to talk about it and then rather would look at situations where you know they just go there and come and tell oh there is child labor there is this and they don't want to even sort of nuance the discussion to say no actually these are the situations in there it is this particular one where children are sold that is what is a bad thing a child helping the parents in the farm isn't a bad yeah. thing. i agree with you i agree 100% uh you know kawami you talked talked about how big the industry is how big the impact it has on the farmers how less they get paid and the systemic issues but tell us about there must be a regulation right there must be a regulator mm-hmm. look after the trade industry the farming industry the cocoa industry is fair trade really fair to cocoa farmers no of you so see so let me approach it this way so when you take fair trade the concept of fair trade is actually a good thing you know school so they they came up with the idea that hey um you know we've seen that there are inequalities in the value distribution in the cocoa in 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 the in the, in the cocoa industry so what we are coming in we are coming in to make sure that farmers are treated very well you know they are giving the value that they deserve so this is something i think everybody is supposed to support But then I sat down and I said, okay, so fair trade has been in this. They came into this industry for over for over twenty years, and then the situation of cocoa farms keep getting worse and worse and worse. So my point was, so what are they doing? So I was like, okay, let me just go and really research about them. So I went in, I researched about them, and I realized that they were operating on two principles. They said that they are going to. Uh, set a price floor so what a price floor means is that they are going to set a minimum price for um farmers that would ascribe to their fair trade principles so it means that if you are a farmer and you want to have a minimum price for your cocoa beans meaning that anytime there is a price you know the price fluctuations in the um, commodities market if you do not want it to affect you that much we can say that 
whether they were if let's say they set it at a two two thousand dollar per metric ton so they would say if the price drops to let's say thousand nine hundred we will still give you the two thousand you get what i mean so they did yeah yeah so they set a minimum price of two thousand dollars per metric ton of cocoa bean and then they also said that they are able to anybody that buys fair trade product pays a premium pays a premium so they're able to give 200 per metric ton as a premium to the farmer so those are the two principles they set a minimum price and then they also provide a premium and so i was like okay so then let me look at the records let me look at the prices of uh, uh, the, the, the price of cocoa beans per metric ton for over the 20 years to see whether the price has most times dropped below uh, 2000 so that you know that you, you can actually see the relevance of fair trade that oh a lot of the time cocoa price have dropped and then the farmers are able to still secure 2000 which means fair trade is actually helping and that's okay so and then how about the premium the 200 dollar premium do they actually give it to the farmers so those are the two things i was analyzing and i realized that within the two, uh, 20 um the, the last 10 years for more than nine years the price of cocoa never dropped what no, yeah for so the it, it didn't drop okay. yeah like for for the for a period of uh 20 years the price of cocoa not about 90 percent of the time the price of cocoa never dropped below two thousand dollars you get it so i was like but why would you fix the your minimum price at two thousand for over twenty years? It's just, it's shocking. You get it, like for over twenty years, you are just telling the farmer that okay, so if the price of cocoa go above two thousand, yeah, you are going to be fine. I'm not going to do anything. But if your price falls below, meanwhile, you are actually selling you are you allow the farmer to adhere to your principles which come at your cost to yeah. the fair trade farmer as opposed to another farmer that is not following the fair trade principles so you get what i mean you would want to show a difference between a farmer that is on the fair trade principles who is following the fair trade principles and a farmer who is not following the fair trade principles so yeah. about 90 percent of the time over the 20 years the cocoa farmer who is following the fair trade principles do not actually experience the benefits of the minimum price of fair trade then what is the relevance of the person being there when they following the fair trade principle come at a huge cost because they will tell you how you're supposed to manage your farm how you're supposed to manage your labor how you're supposed to pay them and all those kind of things i was so i was like no, but then they, they failed on that. So, you know, that, that is what I was in my head. Like, they have failed on that. So, this because this is what the data is saying. So, I put that one, I packed that one. So, that I went to the levy, the $200. Yeah. And I went there to also analyze. And the research found out that they keep 50, over 50% of that premium. They keep it as fair trade to manage their operations. Mm-hmm. You get it? So, they, they are trying to fair trade as a business. And they need to pay staff. And they are, they are taking that from the premium. Yeah. So I was like, have they have they told the world that the two the premium they are paying actually doesn't get to the farmer? That the fifty percent of that money goes to them as an organization to pay their staff. And so what's what's fair trade them. about them? They're they're to regulate or just earn profit from it? You, you get my point. So I was like, 
how can you come and fit into in, in the middle trying to fight for the farmer yet all the money that come you are using to run your prison so like what's the relevance so you are literally getting the farmer to adhere to the standards of the west just that at no uh, benefit to the farmer so what's the, why why should a farmer go through that so i didn't understand that i was like oh okay so this is what is happening so they've created fair trade as a brand they've created it as a brand that will give some legitimacy to the businesses in Europe to make them feel like, oh, you know, you see, we pay fair prices to cocoa farmers, to, let's say, you know, I think in India, they have a lot of products that are unfair to... In India, the... In- in what ha- what's happening with farmers in india is another topic for a day we would we would definitely talk about that you get it but, and, yeah, yeah. and you i know you have read about it and your background yeah from being from a farming family you know what's going on exactly and it's quite, kind of the same now what they learn is they'll give and the fair trade industries would take the profit exactly so imagine somebody taking over 50% so i was like okay so what happens to the remaining 50% and we realized that that one also don't get to the farmer they say that oh they they embark on projects in the community so I was like, but okay, so we have a community where we have orange farmers, we have cocoa farmers, we have cashew farmers and all that. Why should it be the cocoa farmers' money that should be used to build a hospital in your community? Because if you want to build a hospital in your community, you know, it should be everybody's effort put together. Why are you saying that it should be the cocoa farmers' sweat that should be used to put up a hospital for everybody in the community to, to, to use? I mean, I'm not disputing the fact that uh, like I'm not saying that a hospital or school in a community is so important, but I mean you would agree with me that why should it be one person's revenue that we should use to build a community? Like why are you treating the cocoa farmers as the people that are supposed to work for the benefit for every other person who is also working and earning money? In yeah. it, you know, and so you see they try to pit you against the other so when you talk about it be like oh you know you are really not you, you are not interested in uh, us helping the community like they create that very toxic relationship in there so what happened was that they asked a research was done they asked the farmers the factory farmers that do you know of any projects in this community that was actually um done by fair trade and a lot of or almost all the farmers could not identify any project in the community that they could say that this was done by fair trade. So it means that the remaining 50%, that is, they, they claim goes to the farmer. Part of it that they do, they, they claim they used to do the project. Also, the farmers can't even identify the project in the community. You, you, you get it? So these, these were the, the huge inconsistencies in what we're doing. So let's even yeah. pack all these two main um, uh, how do I call it? The two main value propositions. So that's how I was analyzing that and using. So I, I was sort of doing an empirical analysis of what they said. It's like policy and practice. What they said and what they are doing in practice and what the data is saying. So that so I asked. I asked myself, how do me, uh, members become fair? Uh, become part of fair trade? Yeah. Then again, I now realize that oh, before you become part of a fair trade, you need to be. You need to join a cooperative. A farmers cooperative so it is the farm so the farmer doesn't join the fair trade it is a cooperative that joins the fair trade so the cooperative you are joining the fair trade you pay money in dollars yeah the cooperative need to pay in dollars and i ask myself why you said you are coming to help the farmer 
who is poor and is not getting any money. Now you tell the farmer to pay to become part of fair trade. So you have you have become a business. You are charging the cocoa farmer to help it's, the farmer. It's bullshit. These organizations and are these organizations externally headed by the US or how? how who is it? Yeah, US. What are they doing in West Africa now? Oh yeah, so it's it. <laughs> They have the Fair Trade International, which I think okay. I don't, yeah, it works within the US, the UK, EU, and all that. So then they uh, have again, Africa. again, thinking thinking about those countries first, and then exactly, of course, of course, of course. the UN basically, the UN of farming, <laughs> exactly. And so and, and so so that that that's what they were doing. And so then so I wrote the article on that. That was actually my first article. In fact, I wrote, it was part of my dissertation when I was doing my master's. So I wrote that article and they reacted to it. They read the article and they were like, oh my God, like, what is this guy trying to talk about? You know, and then they wrote a report. But you know, you know, Kawami, you're right. And you often say that there is a cocoa emergency. There is, Mm? you have to tell us about that. Tell us more about me. Tell us more about the cocoa emergency and tell us what's your inspiration to represent the cocoa farmers. Yeah, I think I think it comes it comes from a good place as you know, again, my parents are cocoa farmers, so that is one. Ghana is supposed to be benefiting from uh, cocoa farming, and Ghana is where I come from, so that's the second one. And yeah, so I think those two things are my driving force and i feel like yes this this really needs to be talked about and then the reason why i talked about the the um there's an emergency you know the cocoa emergency i was just trying to link it to how we talk about climate emergency and i was saying that people are always talking about you know the cocoa farmer not earning a lot and all that but they are just they forget to also add the other things that even make the cocoa farming situation much worse especially the land situation you know the fact that the 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 um the cocoa farmer would have to share the revenue with the land owner which he's supposed to, he or she's supposed to do i'm not saying but that not, not if you earn so less you get my point but it's like the farmer that the land owner can't give you the land for free because the land is not given by the government you get it the land is another person's private property and you are going to farm on it so this, so that is why I was calling it for an emergency because the the cocoa farmer is in a situation where it's, I think he's supposed to choose between a rock and a hard place. It's like all of them are just very difficult for um, for them. And I was also talking about the fact that we have higher, like the inflation rate in Ghana is quite high, you know. And so when you are not paying the farmer very well, when they are not experiencing, let's say. A consistent increase in the uh, the prices for their products, and then we, we at our side have a very consistent increase in inflation. Then what is going to happen? That the economic value of the monies that they get keep going down, down, and it's not been changed for years and years. You you get it? It keeps it keeps going down. And how do you expect the farmer to be able to make ends meet? So that, that that is why I feel like it really needs to be talked about because a lot of people don't talk about it. You know, know Kuhame, I always it. think that we should, you know, in India, West Africa, and everywhere in the world, we thank the family, God, or whoever we believe in for just having 
a meal mm. and the meal we have is not possible without the farmers mm. it's just as simple as that absolutely so i guess it's just about thanking them it's just about being grateful and it's just about talking that the farmers are unfairly treated and i think it's about we taking action because you know it's like you know what was happening here where you know the people wake up in the morning i think is it in the evening on tuesdays and be clapping for the front line and yeah. nurses and that doesn't make any difference you get it like you know the <laughs> it doesn't make any any kind of a difference i think we have grown into a situation where people will always want to virtue signal without actually doing the virtuous thing you know yeah. the world to know how trade an example of being there in place and doing nothing and doing nothing and always talking about how oh farmers are oh, we are doing oh we are we are taking the women through Ooh. education and i'm like are you are you serious what are you doing you and and i think what makes it even worse is that i asked them for data i asked them that they should provide data on what actually caused them to establish fair trade in the first place and you know, then how have they been monitoring yeah. the improvements in the incomes and the livelihood of the farmers and they yeah. could not that's what i'm saying you know i was watching this documentary on sea and climate change and sea spirit what sea i don't know what it was called it was basically talking about how climate emergency is important and what are the what are the thing that regulate the oceans and you know what are the organizations and all of them had no account they were holding no responsibility they were just like oh this is the best we can do and you know you see these un these organizations and you're like what's happening in afghanistan at least do something say something mm-hmm. and these all it's just it's just weird it is very weird and it's it's just sad to see people in power people who have to kind of you know uh, make that change or be that change or be fair are not helping us yeah absolutely so it's... but but you know thank you kawame thank you for taking out the time it's always always a pleasure having a conversation with you it's just like we every time we have a thought provoking conversation about something in the world and today it was something that you're passionate about that that something you have been brought up into come on just in the end tell us a bit give us end remarks of how would you you know just a bit of end comment yeah so um i mean thank you very much again uh, uh, sort of inviting me on to this show i think people need to take a step back uh, i think we are in a world where people are virtue signaling people wanted people really want to show how they care but they actually don't do what what they actually talk about they prefer to post on social media how they really care about this that they care about that but they actually do nothing i think if you care about something talking about it is just not enough just go out there and take the risk to fix it uh, 